This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time A reading from the second book of Maccabees It happened that seven brothers and their mother were arrested and tortured with whips and scourges by the king to force them to eat pork in violation of God's law. One of the brothers, speaking for the others, said, What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. At the point of death, he said, You accursed fiend, you are depriving us of this present life but the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. It is for his laws that we are dying. After him, the third suffered their cruel sport. He put out his tongue at once when told to do so and bravely held out his hands as he spoke these noble words. It was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of his laws, I disdain them. From him, I hope to receive them again. Even the king and his attendants marveled at the young man's courage because he regarded his sufferings as nothing. After he had died, they tortured and maltreated the fourth brother in the same way. When he was near death, he said, It is my choice to die at the hands of men with the hope God gives of being raised up by him. But for you, there will be no resurrection to life. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Responsorial Psalm, Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Hear, O Lord, a just suit. Attend to my outcry. Hearken to my prayer from my lips without deceit. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. My steps have been steadfast in your paths. My feet have not faltered. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my word. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. But I in justice shall behold your face. On waking, I shall be content in your presence. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself And God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope, through his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us, so that the word of the Lord may speed forward and be glorified, as it did among you, and that we may be delivered from perverse and wicked people. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. 
we are confident of you in the Lord, that what we instruct you, you are doing and will continue to do. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the endurance of Christ. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman, but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Kevin, we are opening up the month of November, and I want to make a little note here that primary elections are just around the corner. Now, it's important to understand that Catholic Church officials don't tell us who to vote for, but the Church does direct Catholics as follows. As Catholics, we are not single-issue voters. A candidate's position on a single issue is not sufficient to guarantee a voter's support. And yet, a candidate's position on a single issue that involves an intrinsic evil, such as legalizing abortion or promotion of racism, may legitimately lead a voter to disqualify a candidate from receiving support. And at the National Prayer Breakfast in 1994, Mother Teresa said this about abortion. I feel the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. And she went on to say, any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use violence to get what they want. This is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. She made it very clear that abortion must end. Abortion is the only type of murder that is labeled as a woman's right and the only type of murder that is not punishable by law. Abortion is the murder of the most vulnerable members of society, and it happens every day in the United States of America and across most of the world. Wow, how beautiful those words are. So how important it is for us as American citizens to really get out and vote on November 8th and to vote Catholic. How important that is. We also have on November 11th, uh, Veterans Day. Originally, you might remember it's known as Armistice Day. Uh, and uh, this is something that uh, President Woodrow Wilson wrote in 1919. He says, To us in America, the reflections of Armistice Day will be filled with solemn pride in the heroism of those who died in the country's service. And with gratitude for the victory, both because of the thing from which it has freed us and because of the opportunity it has given America to show her sympathy with peace and justice in the councils 
of nations, how important it is to be pro-life in our political sphere, how important it is to really be a country of virtue and how yeah. hard that is to, to maintain. But, but also, please uh, thank your veterans uh, for those who have really served our country and remember those who have died in service of our country. Amen. Yeah. We also uh, want to bring up the fact that, as you mentioned, beginning of November here, Carla, kind of to set the stage, we're going to read a lot about personal judgment this week. Uh, next week, we're going to read about a general judgment. Then we're going to follow that up with the third Sunday, which is Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. And then the end of November, Carla, it's going to be the first Sunday of Advent I know. Already. I can't believe that. <laughs> oh, my so, heavens. So that sets the stage. End of the liturgical year, we're going to focus a lot on judgment, and then ultimately remember that Jesus Christ is King. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's dig into the first reading today. It's from Second Maccabees, and this covers the time period between 180 to about 160 years before the birth of Christ. And this reading gives clear insight to the belief held by some of the Jews about life after death. Now, this wasn't a new teaching. Even Moses understood that there was to be life after death, and we will hear more about that in our gospel reading. And of course, they didn't know all the details because Jesus hadn't yet come into the world to reveal the fullness of the faith. But this reading does tell us that they believed that there would be a passing on to a type of new and everlasting life. And it was from that hope, that hope of an afterlife, that they drew the courage to undergo such an unimaginable torture and death. And this was the story about a powerful king. He had the power to order who will live and who will die, and he ordered that gruesome mutilation and execution of a family who would not abandon their faith. The king saw himself as some type of a god, and he acted out of spite and arrogance, fueled by his hatred of the Jewish faith and the law of God. And we see this type of scenario playing out today. Not necessarily the part about the you know gruesome torture and execution, but there are many powerful leaders who hate God and hate the law of God. Those who see themselves as demigods and they want to be worshipped and obeyed. Sadly, even the church has become infested with wretched evildoers who wreak havoc on the faithful men and women who relentlessly cling to the law of God, and they refuse to abandon the faith even when they're threatened, mocked, and ridiculed. My guess is that, sadly, those who hate God and choose to be their own gods, they don't believe in an afterlife. They reject the idea of heaven and hell, and they have no concern about consequences for their actions. And they, like so many others, will one day be shocked to learn the truth. Yeah, very true. And and I want to kind of touch on, you talked about the strength of the family. I think that they're really the only way that we can reclaim a just and moral society in this country is through reclaiming of the family. And I think there's probably few changes in America's political culture in the past hundred years that has grown profound in the change in how Americans experience family life. Uh, but from the beginning of our country, it was not so. I want to bring a few little excerpts from the Heritage Foundation and how they saw, the, how the founders of our country found saw family life. It says here, the founders understood that the family with the commitment of marriage needed to sustain it is uniquely equipped to educate and prepare individuals for the responsibilities of citizenship and is therefore critical 
to the success of the American experiment in self-government. How important that unity of the family is. From there, you teach the faith. From there, you teach how to work within a society. Remember that family being that small domestic church in that small society. And that's where we gather the, the courage and, and, and the strength to undergo persecutions when we are faced with the evils of the world. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Remember, marriage really is an exercise of freedom. <laughs> it's an end in itself and is also necessary for securing a self-governing people, which is really what our founding fathers was all about. So how important that strength of that family is. Now, I guess the question comes in, uh, you know, how do we as a family show some courage today? Uh, it could be something visible about going to school board meetings. We talked about voting. It could be something that's not so publicly visible, much like this this mother did for her seven seven children here. Actively teach your children the Catholic faith, but teach all of the Catholic faith to your children and and have that fervor. Think about Patrick Henry. We talk about some of the founding fathers. Remember when he said, give me liberty or give me death, right? That wasn't some little tagline. It wasn't some neat motto on a, on a little sticker he had. I mean, he was all in and that's how he lived his life. How important that is for us to live our lives that way for the Catholic faith. Mm, faith and conviction. Amen. Yeah, 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 that's true. Well, and then we have something interesting in the gospel, talking more about the afterlife. And when the Sadducees brought up the question about who's married to whom after death, they were trying to confuse Jesus. But once again, Jesus was able to use this as a teaching moment, and he pointed out that marriage is irrelevant in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus pointed out, the one true God is not a God of the dead, but God of the living. And this was the belief held by Moses when he addressed God in the burning bush as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in doing so, Jesus made his case that there is life after death. We have people today who don't believe in life after death. They don't believe in heaven or hell. In her diary, St. Faustina wrote about her vision of heaven and hell, or of heaven, just of hell. And she said this, I noticed one thing, that most of the souls in hell are those who did not believe that there is a hell. And so this is it. We have only this lifetime to get it right. God has given us everything we need to succeed, and the rest is up to us. You know, I saw a great bumper sticker once, and it said, Life has many choices. Eternity has only two. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through moderndayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.